Hey y'all, so it's a starry night on this dirt road tonight. And so this is Dirt Road Anthem 13, and I'm going to talk about grieving. Um, it's really easy to connect the dots between grieving and death, right? Obviously, if anyone experiences a death by someone they care about, someone they love, sometimes even someone that you just barely know, it can still be shocking. And you may still need to do some measure of grieving. And if it's someone that you're really close to, the grieving process can be messy. It can feel chaotic. But experts really do say that everyone just needs to grieve in their own time. Okay? So you might be like, oh, why are we talking about that tonight? It's okay. I got you covered. Okay? So the reason we're talking about grieving is because many times when you've been in an abusive relationship, and listen, like a lot of my messages I'm trying to give to you for things that you can do if you're still with your abuser. Because I know how dang hard it is to leave. Like I was filling out this um, thing today in this training program and they were talking about how there's so many reasons why a woman doesn't leave. Like there's so many reasons that you stay and they all seem like really good reasons. You think you're doing the right thing. You love him. You feel like you don't have any help. How would you pay for it? Okay. So there are like a multitude of reasons that women say, and no one should be judged for staying. But the best thing that I can give to you is that even while you do stay to equip you while you're there. And then if you've left to help you to recover. And so whenever you're in an abusive relationship, you experience different forms of death multiple times. You will watch your dreams die. You will watch your hope die. You will watch the dream of your relationship die. Even while you still like you're hanging on to it. Like, like Leonardo DiCaprio, right in Titanic. He's like hanging on to the thing, but dying. Okay, honestly, that is a vivid picture of what happens in abuse, except like your abuser is the person who puts themselves on the door and is like, I'm up here, you have to stay down there, but you still have to do everything I say while you suffer. And you just die a little more every day. Okay, so you experience the death of self. And so the reason that it's so hard is that no matter what stage of abusive relationship that you're in, what stage of recovery, you're gonna have to do some grieving. And I get it. It sucks so hard, right? Like when you finally get the guts to leave, I feel like you should be free and clear and like just get so much support and so much love and so much hands-on experiences with people who are being good to you to help you recover from the abuse. But it, it doesn't always work that way. And um, my sister asked me one time, she was kind of like, well, I feel like she might've been confused as to why I wasn't, by the time that I left, I wasn't that like, crying every night because I miss you so much and I love you and I want to be with you. Okay. By this point, I had spent years grieving intimacy in my marriage. So like all the intimacy that I love you, the getting to sleep with someone, all that crap, it all ended way too fast and way too soon. Okay. So I had to live without it. Okay. And that was so dang hard. Can I just tell you that right now? Like it was so hard to live without intimacy in my relationship. Like so hard to live without love. So hard to live without companionship. So hard when every conversation that he wants to have is about him. So hard when you're scared of him, whether that's physically or emotionally. And yet he's also the person you want to reach out to the most. So hard when you want to do something. And if you're even actually able to do it, if you somehow magically come up with the finances and abusive relationship and the time and the childcare, and you manage to actually try and do something that you want, you're expected to do it alone. I remember there were times he would be like, hey, um, I'm going to go to a movie when I get off work. And then we'll make time sometime for you to go when the kids are asleep. 
But that meant that I would have to wait for him to get back sometime, which meant that I'd be going to a theater by myself right around 11 o'clock at night. Like, does that have an perspective for you? I, yeah, guys, it was hard. And so I actually spent years grieving what I wanted from a relationship. And so many of you have already experienced that where you're grieving everything that you thought that you would have, everything that you wanted, everything that you thought that would be offered to you. And that's grieving. Okay. Cause it's, it's the death of something that you wanted. Then when you finally do come to the conclusion that's an abusive relationship, you do have hope that your abuser will change. At the same time, you really do come to accept that they probably won't. Like there's a huge percent of abusers that don't change compared to the very small percentage that do. So you have to grieve the fact that he won't change because you spent all of those years investing all of that time and all of that energy and all of that effort and all of that love to someone who treated you like crap in the hope that they would change and one day return and all that affection and then you would have your happily ever after. So that dream dies. You, you get where I'm going with this? So that dream dies. All intimacy dies. And then the dream of the life that you thought that you would have together, because even if you don't leave him, like I left my husband and all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I was going to be a chaplain's wife and a stay-at-home mom and eventually go back to school. But then that didn't like, (sighs) that didn't happen. And all of a sudden I found myself as a single mom trying to figure out what the heck to do, having to start over at 30 living with my grandparents. It was so hard. And... I had to grieve the dream of what I thought my life would be. And some of you are with him and you already realize like what you thought that you would be doing with your life as you were married has now become this egocentric model where you are consistently doing whatever he wants, however he wants. So you don't get to have a dream anymore. So you're definitely not living the dream that you thought you would be while you were married. So that dies and you grieve and then you get out and you have this idea of like how happy you'll be and all the stuff you're going to accomplish. And then you don't always find support and you don't always find what you need in that moment. And a lot of times you end up crying alone and you grieve the loss of relationships, whether people turned on you because you um, wanted to leave your abuser in a Christian community like I did, Um, whether it's people turn on you because they just have the idea like, well, once you're married, you have to stay married. You can't ever leave. Like whatever that may be, some of you experience all of it. Okay. And sometimes it's because relationships after you get out don't always look the same because people don't always understand the abuse. And one thing I feel like women desperately want to abuse is someone who understands and then to find yourself in a position where people don't understand. Some days it feels like no one understands and it just feels like you're dying on the inside and you grieve. So you have to give up so many. I thought this would be so much of this is what I wanted. And guys, I know it sounds sad, but here's the deal. If you skip the grieving part of the process, you're still going to suffer the effects of grieving because your body is going to be aware that your soul is hurting and suffering and dying a little bit more every day. (sighs) Like I did with stress. But you have to honor that. And sometimes it's going to be grieving about things that seem silly to you, but you don't know how much your subconscious has tied everything up into everything up to everything with your abuser. There are many times you're going to feel the need to grieve and I want you to go ahead and cry or Man, there were days early on when I left, you know, originally I still hoped that he would change, but he didn't. And I I would be so ready to cry and I'd be getting so many abusive text messages from him. And because of the law where I'm at, I wasn't allowed to file for separation. So he's literally like allowed to text me as much as he wants, whenever he wants. 
And then he'll say it's about the kids. And since he's used my children as leverage to try and threaten to take them from me to get me to do what he wants, I'm consistently responding and reading a message to make sure there's not something in there actually about the kids that I actually need to respond to and can be held responsible for. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's been a merry-go-round. And, um, and I would need to cry. I would need, 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 need to cry. And sometimes I get the kids in bed and I like jump up on the treadmill or I or get out here and walk, right? And um, I just start crying. I didn't even know I was holding it all inside. I just knew that I had to do what I needed to do to take care of my kids, to get everything taken care of. I was going to classes, like a lot was going on. So I didn't even know how much I needed to grieve until I got on there. My body was like, okay, we're done. We're letting it out. You're going to cry this out. You're going to release the tears. You're going to release the pain. And it felt incredibly good. And I say that like it felt really good because it needed to happen. Like I needed to grieve. But I, I but I wanted to like just move forward with my life. And I'd be like, if this person that I invested nine years in cannot honor that love that I gave to him one single time, am I just doing the right thing by me by getting help and going to a program like I asked him? Then I don't want to spend any time crying over that man. Right? And I'd already spent years crying over him. Years crying over him, years <laughs> crying over him, not letting me, crying over him, not wanting to spend time with me, crying over how cruel he was to me, crying over the stuff that he said to me, crying, 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 crying. So I wanted to just leave him and be free, be a free agent, enjoy my life, build a life that I wanted to live with my kids, right? I wasn't necessarily looking for a relationship, but I didn't want to spend my time focused on him. <laughs> so I used to get kind of mad <laughs> when I had to cry. And I just want to tell you tonight, and I'm like, just going to give us a little bit of stillness here that um, crying alone sucks sometimes. It really does. But it's really, really hard when you've been abused to find people in your personal, like, everyday walk of life who really understand how heartbreaking it can be and how broken it can make you. Like, how much you can be undone as a person, right? Like, it makes you think of, like, Avengers, okay? I like movie references, right? And uh, Black Widow had talked about being completely undone, right? Jeremy Renner was talking about it. He was, you know, like, oh, do you know what it's like to be undone? And she was like, you know that I do. And, like, I feel like when you've been abused, you know what it is to be undone. You know what it is to have someone deteriorate who you are through their words and actions and controlling ways until you feel like you're not even a person anymore. And you grieve it. And then you actually get the guts to leave him. And then you have to deal with more stuff and more of him trying to get people to side against you, more of people turning their back on you, more of people not understanding, more of people not caring how much you're hurting. And guys, you can give it your all. Like you can give it 800% and put all that you are into building a new life and as you leave your abuser. And it doesn't mean that people will suddenly be like, oh, that's so amazing. Half the time you're still working hard and you're not getting a lot of reward. And it doesn't mean that you won't, but it does mean that when it hurts, when you feel it, when you desperately needed sympathy and all people were was rude, when you desperately needed someone to tell you that they understood and instead people ask, why'd you stay? Like when you go through all of these things that hurt so differently, I want you to know that I'm looking up at the stars tonight and you are not alone. And if it helps and you need to go out there and you need to look at those stars and have a cry and know that in some way I understand your pain, that in every way I empathize with you and sympathize with all of the hurt that you feel, and that I care even if I don't know your name. 
then I want you to go ahead and just take it and do it as long as you want to. And you can ugly cry and everything and I'd never judge you, okay? By the grace of God. Because I've had way too many ugly cries, way too many moments where I start crying and it feels like my soul is breaking just to get through the pain. And if you take the time to grieve, you're going to be okay. My son came back from his dad's with this elbow scrape and a scab looked not right. You know what I'm saying? Like you could tell just by looking at it, it looked not right. And I was like, listen, I don't want to peel back a whole scab that's, you know, pretty like bigger than a quarter if it's not infected. But I told him, I said, I'm going to keep an eye on this thing because it might be infected. And, um... Sure enough, a couple days later, I went to peel back the edge and all this, gosh, I shouldn't even say it. Okay, but all this gross pus started coming out. It was nasty. And I was like, dude, I'm going to have to peel this whole scab off. And then I'm upset at my ex because he didn't clean it properly because I asked him. I was like, hey, what did your dad clean this with? And he was like, well, I cleaned it with a baby wipe. I was like, okay, but then what did he do to clean it? And he goes, well, we just cleaned it with a baby wipe. <sighs> all you moms out there are like, where's the hydrogen peroxide? <laughs> So I had to peel the scab off, which was awful and slightly painful and super gross. And then I had to brush it out three times with peroxide, which, you know, they cry and they hate it. And then I had to rebandage it and then keep an eye on it for the next few days to make sure that that cleared the infection out. And the issue was that it wasn't cleaned properly. And so because it wasn't aired out, because it wasn't cleaned out, it got infected. And if you don't allow yourself to grieve all of the pain and all of the hurt, and that's not just from your abuser, that's going to be people that didn't believe you. That's going to be people who maybe did believe you, but weren't willing to do anything to help you. That's going to be people that you thought would support you. And maybe they didn't family members who don't agree with you needing to leave. It's going to be all of the things and the dreams and the desires that you had that died because you were with someone who abused you instead of loved and supported you. You need to grieve and let it out, let it out. So you, your heart can remain bitter free and infection free and you can begin to heal. Those times when I would just let out my cries, like I said, I know what it's like to wait. <laughs> you don't even realize how bad you need that cry until you get there and all of a sudden it's choking sobs. First time I went to a church, um, so I had had the one in Oklahoma and they were like, hey, come to our, like, that's how I wrap it up. I wrap it up in the umbrella of, hey, why don't you come to our class and forgiveness and apologizing, right? And then in my church, when I got to Iowa, it was um, that people just didn't know what to do. The pastor's wife was super supportive and other people would be sometimes nice. I had a couple people I talked to about some of what was going on, but in general, people just started avoiding me and it hurt so dang bad because it was like I had COVID before I had, before COVID was, I never got COVID, but before COVID was a thing. Okay. And, and then I felt so lonely and isolated and it was dang hard. And so the first time I walked into a church and I just went in there and the sermon was good and the people smiled and said hi and were nice like that. Nothing deep, like just, just the, you know, like you walk into a good church and you get that feeling of like home and, and it feels good and you feel close to God. And I got out and they had given me this like gift bag because they knew that I was new, which is cool, right? They noticed, feels nice, right? When you've been invisible for so long, you still notice. And they were, it was like, this cute little book that like, we want to be your family, blah, blah, blah. And guys, like I started ugly sobbing over my steering wheel in the parking lot of this place for 30 minutes. I don't think anyone saw me because it was an evening service. So super cool. But I did ugly cried forever because I realized that when I had lost the people and the friends that I had at those churches, it felt like I lost family. 
And when you're doing everything you can to scramble and get away from your abuser, you legitimately don't have the time, energy, or emotion to deal with people who are not supportive. You just don't. If someone said something to me that let me know that they weren't going to be supportive of what I was doing, I would minimize contact with them a ton. And then if they kept doing it, when I did talk to them the few times, I just cut off contact completely because I knew that if I was actually going to be able to leave my abuser and stay gone and be strong and build a new life as a single mom, I was going to need all the support I could get. And if the only support that I could get at this point was supporting myself by shutting out the people who were not being supportive, then that's what I needed to do. Now, if you're in your situation, like you need all the support from outside influences that you can get. So like try, don't just assume that people won't understand, but try. But if you do, if you think people are going to support you, if you think that you're not going to be alone on the journey, and then all of a sudden you find yourself crying alone, it sucks hard. It hurts bad, but you can grieve and look up at the stars and remember that I'm here and I care that God loves you and God cares. He hates abuse. And that you're going to get through this. It's not going to be your forever. You are going to make it out of this alive. You are going to make out of this with hope. Okay? And you are going to find a new dream. And you are going to live a good, good, amazing, fulfilled life. Just take the time now to grieve. That's it for tonight, ladies. So we'll be talking about something hopefully a little more lighthearted next time, huh? Because (laughs) this is so much fun. But it's a necessary part of the process. Don't forget that. And don't ever be hard on yourself for needing to grieve. 